Uh, you got to know this business. Well, I know this business. It's the deep channel of my life. And I know these brokerages. I know what it's like to, to have to recruit, to lose agents, to compete in your marketplace, to brand yourself amongst the others. I mean, but um, I, I, the thing that I absolutely love most about my whole career in real estate is watching people grow. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, General Manager of the U.S. Market for Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents leverage the power of verified reviews. You can find out more at ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 275 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. And I want to say this as well. Thank you so much for the reviews and, and for the ratings um, and hitting subscribe if you are enjoying what you hear on the podcast. It really helps. And, and I appreciate that. This week, I get to speak to, I'm going to call him a legend in the business, right? This is somebody who, um, imagine being there when the name for Century 21 was actually chosen. You were in the Denny's in LA when they decided the name. Yeah, that's my guest, Bob McKinnon. He's the Director of Leadership Development at Exit Realty. Wonderful guy. Uh, and I had the opportunity to not only interview him for this podcast, but be on his podcast called Real Leadership. I highly recommend that as well. Uh, so let's go ahead and get this thing started. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. I'm excited. Yeah, I can't wait to have you on here. I, you know, I met you at an Inman conference, which if you listen to my show, I tend to have a lot of connections through Inman. Yes, you do. <laughs> and it was Annette Anthony, who I was working with in Phoenix. I was doing some coach, not coaching, but more training on tech and things with her, yes, uh, with mm -hmm. Exit Realty. And she, <clears throat> I, I had, um, I'll, I'll say this, I, I, I just was shocked. I'd, I'd won that um, Innovator of the Year Award for the podcast. And we were out, I think out in the hallway afterwards and Annette, introduced me to you and said, you've got to meet Bob. Bob is uh, uh, doing his own podcast now. And I went, wow, that's great. And and then I have to apologize. I just let that slip. And now I'm making up for it. I can't wait to get your story. Well, you were busy and uh, I could tell it surprised you. And I, but here's what, what happened there, Bill. I had just started uh, my podcast, Real Leadership. And um, of course I was a novice and I'm having, and then all of a sudden, this innovation award and they introduce you as the podcast of the year i said oh man annette <clears throat> i gotta meet this guy it was really exciting to meet you and immediately because quite frankly i had not delved into your podcast so that afternoon i think i probably caught up on about 10 episodes so you're you're my podcast hero buddy <laughs> Well, that's, I, well, I don't know what to say. That's great. We're going to talk a lot about your career and your story. And, uh, you know, it's, it's super cool. There's, there's some neat stuff we're going to chat about. Um, but the first thing I, you know, you know me is I love finding out where people are from because uh, I really don't think many people are early on thinking about real estate, right? But, yes. but what I, what I gather, um, I know, I know that we're going to talk a lot about Southern California and real estate that's coming up. And I know now you live in Texas, right? You're, uh, yes. I think, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Did you grow up in Texas? I was born in um, Texas and left at 15 years old. I 
the town I was living in at the time was a little town outside of Lubbock, Muleshoe, Texas. Oh, no. Now, now when you tell people, where are you from? Muleshoe, Texas? They can't quite believe that. But uh, born in Lubbock, Texas. So uh, (laughs) Lubbock, Texas. Now, I'm a sports fan. I know that Texas Tech is in Lubbock, right? Yes, it is. Got this. So that's important. That's probably important in your life. I think if you, well, you know, absolutely, I know people from Texas tend to support that that town where they grew up. But but and I know it's kind of in the northwest corner of the state. But what what am I missing? What are some things that we all should know about Lubbock? Lubbock, Texas, is uh, up in the high plains, very flat. My grandpa used to say, "Bobby, you get up on a ladder ten feet high, look to the east, you can see the back of your head." It was <laughs> <laughs> that's how flat it was. No, it was. But Lubbock, Texas, um, is just a good, good, good stable town. I mean, it's a great place to be raised. The, the it's if if the buckle of the Bible Belt replaced, it would be in Lubbock, Texas. There's uh-huh. probably a church on every corner, uh, but very wholesome, uh, very tough uh, people. But yeah, my my affinity toward uh, Texas Tech is still. Quite active. I love him. My mom was a graduate. She was a lady raider. Uh, my grandfather, who was a, an accomplished uh, carpenter and furniture maker, uh, got the contract to build all of the cabinets in Texas Tech in the old building. So I was as a kid walking those halls. Yeah, that's great. And even to this day, if you walked in there, some of that stuff still might be there. That's kind of that's absolutely, cool. yeah, absolutely. Um, you said you left at 15. You left Texas at 15. Um, yes. What, what, that seems early. Was it, did the whole family leave or was there a relocation? Yes. Or? yes, it did. A part of my background, the reason I left is part, kind of interesting part of the story. My father uh, was also a builder, contractor, and, um, but his passion, Bill, was he wanted to be a preacher. Wow. He just wanted to be a preacher. So um, he went to Abilene Christian University. And uh, so we moved temporarily to Abilene for four years, and he started a, a small building business there. And uh, his dream was to preach. So he went out into some small churches in Texas and started giving uh, sermons. And the feedback to him was, Bob, you're very knowledgeable, but man, as a speaker, you are awful. I mean, immediately. And so... Somebody told my father, you need to take the Dale Carnegie course and learn to be a speaker, which he did. And it, re- it just really impacted his life. It affected it. He became, a, he became later one of the best speakers I've ever been around. But um, in doing so, he fell in love with Dale Carnegie. He, went, he became an instructor. And then uh, they, they called him and said, we have an open territory. It was, it was a... California territory to be the sponsor for Dale Carnegie courses there. And he took it. So we left Abilene and we went to, to, to California uh, and he became the sponsor of the Dale Carnegie courses. Now the Dale Carnegie courses from the beginning, uh, the one of the best public speaking courses, human relation courses, the Dale Carnegie sales course, the customer service course, they had a, a, a combination of five basic courses. Now, Bill, I'm, I took the Dale Carnegie course when I was 10 years old because my dad wanted me to do it. Now, can you imagine, though, uh, public speaking, human relations, sales, 
to have that as your training ground at 17, 18, 19 years old. I then later became uh, the youngest male Carnegie instructor they'd ever had at the time. At 26, I was in the classroom teaching the Dale Carnegie course, and then later began to help my dad in that business in California. So the Dale Carnegie move from my dad was very providential for him. And of course, it affected me. <clears throat> but I, uh, I give full credit. I mean, to be a young man and start his life with Dale Carnegie sales course and the Dale Carnegie course, what a blessing that was for skill development. I was going to say, you could have gone anywhere in the world with all of that as yep. your background. You could have done anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. That's, that's powerful. That's, that's great. That, um, you know, eventually, you know, we're going to get you to, to real estate, but before we do that, um, you're a bulldog. You end up going to Fresno state. Yes, sir. Well, yeah. I, my first intent was to go to Pepperdine, which I did. I started yeah. Pepperdine as pre-law. And uh, then the Vietnam War came along, and that kind of interrupted anything, everything. So I did uh, three and a half years as a United States Marine, went to uh, Vietnam, and uh, was there about 18 months, and came back from that. Had kind of lost my momentum in school as a result of that experience. Mm. And I came back, and I thought, well, I don't, I don't need to spend the money at Pepperdine once. I think I'll just go to a state school, went to Fresno, and got my uh, undergraduate degree at Fresno State in communications, public speaking and communications. Loved Fresno State. Uh, the, the California State Universities are just wonderful. And at that time, uh, my goodness, uh, the instructors, the the curriculum, the culture of the campus, very healthy. So again, there's another blessing. Yeah. I, I want to, I want to ask you a question that um, it, it might be difficult. And if you don't want to answer it, I, I'll be completely understand. Um, as a Marine did, did uh, and, 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 you know, and then doing 18 months in, in Vietnam, uh, which I can't even imagine. And I think that's a fair assessment. No one can imagine um, that. Did, was was the stuff that your father had brought to you? Did it help there too? Because I have a feeling there was a there was going to be some kind of connection that could that 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 power that 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 training brought you could help you anywhere. Did it help there too? Well, that training, um, yes, the ability to communicate, which was yeah. the first course I took in, in Dale Carnegie, is just uh, the most basic of all of the the skills. Yeah. Dale Carnegie said the highest paid skill in all of business is the ability to speak in public. Yeah. And I truly believe that. And so here I'm a Marine and leading platoon and this and the other. Uh, absolutely. Communication skills. I hadn't taken all the other, the sales and management training yet. I did that when I got back, but uh, certainly did. It was yeah. a part of who I was. I was more comfortable and confident than the typical 19-year-old kid in the, in the Marine Corps. Well, I, I, must, I must say thank you for your service, and uh, that's, that's, uh, that's amazing. I did not know that part of your story. So somehow, we got to talk about Century 21, and this is really, really cool. Uh, they're celebrating their 50th anniversary this year, correct? Yeah, and, and you were a part of the very beginning. Let's talk about that. 
Well, there's a little space in between. Um, okay. I was with my helping my dad with Dale Carnegie, and um, I was help, helping him sell the course courses. So I'm I'm working down in Bakersfield, California, to sell a Dale Carnegie sales course, and I call on Shipman Realtors. I mean, I, real estate was the farthest thing in the world from my mind. And so I walk into Shipman Realtors, make the presentation for the Dale Carnegie sales course. I think there was 12 agents in the room. I walked out with eight checks and delivered the books right there. And so I leave. I leave. Well, I get a call from Jack Shipman, the broker. He said, Bob, that was a heck of a presentation. I said, I can't believe you enrolled eight of my realtors. He says, man, that's the best selling I've ever seen. He said, have you ever thought about real estate? I need some help. And that, you know, how many people have had that question? Jack Shipman asked me that question. And I said, well, let's talk about it. The problem with the Carnegie business was, number one, you're working with your dad, which is always contentious. And number two, a lot of travel. We were all over California. So I would be in one place. one, And so uh, the travel, I had a, a very young child at the time and something stable. So I made the decision to leave Dale Carnegie and go into real estate with Jack Shipman. We had 12 agents. Uh, about, I, I would say, three years later. We had 105 in four different locations, so we, we did well. But uh, so real estate, as you recall, in the 70s was exceedingly a cottage industry. It was, there was one of two things. There was thousands of mom-and-pop real estate offices, small offices, eight, nine, ten agents with a broker. And then in every area, there was one large regional independent in Los Angeles, it was the Forrest E. Olson Company. Now, many people, there's some old timers listening to you, Bill. <laughs> this is a history lesson, but back in the 60s and 70s, um, Forrest Olson, uh, Long and Foster, Ebby Holiday, these were all the regional ind independents that were just powerful. I mean, uh, 35 offices in Los Angeles with Forrest Olson, and and he was just, they were so big and dominating, they, they didn't even join the MLS. They had their own MLS and would not share a single listing with anybody else. Now, that's power. That's that market power. Yeah. And um, with that environment, the team, it was it was um, Marsh Fisher and Art Bartlett, actually, they came up with the concept of bringing these small brokers together. Marsh Fisher wanted to name the company Green Valley Real Estate. Well, most of us thought that sounded a little like a funeral home. <laughs> and so at a meeting in a Denny's coffee shop in the middle of Los Angeles, we're sitting there discussing the name. And one of the guys says, why don't we call it Century 21? And we kind of thought back and thought, hmm, Century 21, you know, that was, that's kind of cool. So the group sat there and talked about it, and they later asked John Gherkin, where did you get that Century 21? He said, well, look, there's a hamburger stand right across the street. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That's amazing. There was a Century 21 hamburger uh, stand, and he saw that, 
brought it to the group at the time and that that became the name and that's a true story wow so so the growth of this company um i can imagine this is really franchising it it, it kind of in its earliest you know yes. right? and yes. so what was that what was that like i mean uh, today that's commonplace everybody's you yes. know every, every broker owner's been called by a bunch of companies what yes. was that like talking to those mom and pops they were interesting because it was a way to, for them to all, you know, the message of selling Century 21 was, look, if we all band together and we, we share, we create training and referrals and we share a logo and all of a sudden your sign over here helps me with my sign over here. It would, the word was synergy. We were selling synergy. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's all the little guys band together and, and we will appear big and we, we now can compete. Well, there was great interest in that. I mean, you know, you know there's always people saying, ah, leave me alone, I'm happy with my 10 agents, and they stayed that way. But boy, there was a lot of people, especially in Southern California where it started, and our region was, in, was called the Century 21 Number One Incorporated. It was the very first region, and we began to sell the franchises and service them, and it started small, but I'm telling you, as the country went coast to coast, fun story, we all we, we developed about five or six regions in California. So we specialized in California. Then uh, Art Barber sells the next regional, uh, regional uh, company out on the East Coast. It was actually in, in uh, the Baltimore area. And when they sold the first franchise there, we took out a full-page ad in the Wall Street Journal that said Century 21 is coast-to-coast. <laughs> Perception is everything, and, and you, you were telling the truth. And we were telling the truth. We had nothing in between. It was the California coast, and it was Baltimore, and it was uh, that was how it started. Yeah. But uh, it, developed, it developed very quickly. I uh, started selling franchises in 1972. By 1980, we had a prompt, we had over 5,000 offices. Wow! And just and so you can tell the sales energy, the the new energy of it was significant. We became a, a national player within eight years. Wow! Now you you were with them for for 25 years you you, yep. uh, you owned a few brokerages in southern california do i have that right yes yeah um I, you know the 70s and the 80s i i remember because i you know my i graduated from high school in um 79 and there's some weird stuff happening in real estate <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> around that time frame right i can't yes. imagine how tough it was when uh interest rates were you know 18% and all the creative stuff you had to do as a realtor or, or as an owner, right? Yeah, the transition of real estate uh, was, was geometric. I mean, once it started to change, it, it literally was sitting there as a cottage industry. You know, the real estate's 112 years old mm. as far as associations. It started in, in uh, Chicago and um, it was very very tight, very controlled, didn't want to change much. But all of a sudden, once innovation hit, this was way before technology or anything. We're still doing business knocking doors without cell phones. The very first technology came in um, with a fax machine, which came in 
right about uh, the late 70s, and that company was called ERA, Electronic Real Estate Corporation, because they had fax machines. Can you believe that? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's funny. But um, the innovation in real estate began to happen very quickly. Uh, as soon as Century 21 started, it was three years later that Dave Leniger started uh, Remax uh, after um, after two or three other companies did the 100%. Once they went to desk plan and the 100%, everything about real estate changed. Yeah. Uh, I say often that Century 21 introduced franchising, then Remax introduced the 100% commission plan. And everything by 1980, uh, you could not recognize real estate yeah. in, in in just a short period of time, and it created tremendous problems. You know, I laugh sometimes at what I hear with young realtors talking about today, with all the interrupters and Compass and Redfin and and everybody. What's it going to do? This business has been fraught with creative innovators that change it forever. It's not the same. Uh, I'm, I'm comfortable that the real estate business is strong enough to survive this. We will, we will maintain it. It will be different, just like it was in the 70s. Right. Now, yeah, uh, home prices were going up in Los Angeles at sometimes uh, 20% a year. You buy a home and it, it literally doubled in value in under five years. And then in the 80s, the interest rate went to 17% and everything stopped. You could, unless it was, you know, a wraparound deed of trust or all-inclusive trust deeds. I mean, these are terms that people are going to go, what the hell is that? Yeah. Uh, you could not sell property. Yeah. So it was, it was Wild West. It was competitive. It was, the changes were significant. Now, in the boardrooms of all the companies, uh, leadership had to recircle up. I mean, Century 21 even, we had to circle up and say, what we started here now is different. We, uh, we moved from a franchise sales company to a broker development company. Right. And that was kind of the next step we had to go through as a corporation. But was it fun? Oh, it was amazing. But real estate was more fun then too, Bill. I mean, real estate, we, we hadn't kind of got to that competitive adversarial crapola we deal with today. Right. I mean, we actually spoke to each other. We we had, um, you know, Article 19 in the said, thou shalt not um, steal agents from each other. They finally violated that so bad. They just <laughs> threw it out of the national deal. Like, okay, kid. Uh, so uh, National Real Estate Week, we used to have open houses and parties and go to each other's office. It was really quite a wonderful industry in the 70s. Very, very... Uh, then once we started um, stealing each other's agents, it changed. It changed. It changed. You know, you you you're a very loyal person. You've you've only in your career, which spans four decades, maybe mm -hmm. maybe more. I don't want to I don't want to get in front of it, but um, you've been with two companies as far as you know real estate. Real estate. Yeah, yeah I know you had a you you had you have your own company, right? Um, yes, McKinnon Enterprises was. When I when we sold the region and I went to work at uh, International, that was during the days of the HFS, Henry Silverman, Bob Pittman, when Century 21 was purchased by HFS, mm -hmm. went through that with Bob Pittman and Silverman for a couple of years. 
But once I decided to, uh, we sold the region and uh, I decided to retire, uh, I, it, McKinnon Enterprises was a small coaching consulting. And so I traveled the country uh, and uh, spoke and, and coached and consulted with real estate people and brokers. I uh, kind of missed everybody. So in the year 2000, I went to San Francisco at the Moscone Center to go to the NAR convention. And I'm walking, I'm walking through the halls of, uh, in the Moscone Center and walking with a whole wad of century, old Century 21 guys. And I see this thing called Exit Realty. It was big and it was teal and very colorful. And I asked a friend of mine, I said, what in the world is that? That's a doofy name, Exit Realty. And he says, yep, it's a new real estate company out of Toronto, Canada. In fact, right there's the founder, Steve Morse. And so he went over and introduced me to Steve and we had a nice conversation. Steve and I developed a relationship. And uh, then some years later, he said, Bob, you were helpful at Century 21. Uh, do you think you could help us here with our new brand exit? So I began to consult with, with them. But the truth is the real estate business bill is, um, is and always has been the perfect people business. I mean, uh, if, I'm, if I'm loyal to anything, it's not so much brand, but I tell you, I, I'm in love with real estate. I'm in love with the business. That's sticky. It's a sticky, weird business. It's fun to watch. In fact, I would love to be at the Compass in some of these big guys' boardroom and listen. They'd probably say, these realtors, my God, you know, what's wrong with them? Uh, you know, it's, it's a sticky business. The transactions are sticky. Uh, it, you got to know this business. Well, I know this business. It's the yeah. deep channel of my life. Yeah. And I know these brokerages. I know what it's like to to have to recruit, to lose agents, to compete in your marketplace, to brand yourself amongst the others. I mean, but um, I, I the thing that I absolutely love most about my whole career in real estate is watching people grow. I've never seen an industry that has so much raw potential that allows anybody to come up and put their money on the line and say, I'm going to play. It's just, it's just amazing. Uh, I love it. And you get to see a lot of that in your role as director of leadership at Exit Realty. I mean, you think about it. You might be talking to Tammy and maybe yes. you're helping out with a concern or question, but you might also be talking to some agents, you know, they're just getting rolling. Yeah. Going, here's, here's where you can go. This is what, this is what it can be. That must be, a lot of fun for someone with your knowledge, your wisdom uh, to be at this place and be able to do that. Well, that's exactly right. I talked to, I talked to Tammy on Mondays, nearly every Monday we connect. And then like yesterday I was speaking to a group of real estate agents in the woodlands, Hmm. Texas. So yes, I am talking to realtors all day, every day at every level of it. In the meantime, I, I just fell in love with reading leadership books. And I started reading Maxwell, as everybody probably does. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, had a friend tell me about an opportunity to become a Maxwell, get on the Maxwell team and go through their sophisticated training. You Probably a lot of your listeners are 
John Maxwell certified team members. So I go to Orlando to go through the, you know, you have to get prepared for that Maxwell training and you go to Orlando for three days. And um, I met thousands and thousands of people from all over the world. And the subject was leadership, pure and simple. John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls on leadership. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So all of a sudden, being exposed to Maxwell and then being that close to him, he came to speak at an exit convention, and I got to introduce him and spend time with him back in the green room. But um, Maxwell became um, really important to me. So I became a certified John Maxwell trainer, uh, also with uh, Ogmandino uh, leadership training in Salt Lake, uh, certified there. So adding my real estate experience to the leadership world uh, has brought me to a place, I think, of great value in the real estate business. Because um, if that's true, everything rises and falls on leadership, then um, we have to develop leaders in this business. And I think, quite frankly, for too long, um, this business has allowed, if you got the money, step up, open up an office, and good luck to you. But that's kind of been the what we've done in real estate from day one. Step up and good luck to you. Maybe we should strengthen your ability to verbalize your dream. And I tell real estate brokers all the time, if you cannot verbalize your dream, it is insignificant. It doesn't exist. So you start teaching people to verbalize their dream. Here's what I see. Here's what I want. Here's what I want to build. I want to make a difference. Well, that's the beginning of leadership. And then all of a sudden, they begin to define that. And then they begin to cast that vision to others and enlist them to say, wow, I really like that. And I think I'll join them. So as the director of leadership, development at Exit Realty, it's it's a wonderful platform to combine all of my real estate experience, my Dale Carnegie sales and experience, and then all of a sudden, uh, very specific, you know, real estate management and leadership material together. So that's what I spend my whole life doing right now, uh, Bill, yeah. is, is saying, okay, if you want to build a powerful real estate brokerage, there are very distinct steps you need to go through. A, B, C, D. And nobody really has ever explained that to a lot of them. And they go, whoops, I, I missed step two. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess what? We better go back and cover that. So here we sit in this, uh, this new world of change. And this, the kind of change I see in real estate today concerns me. I mean, a lot of big money has come into this business, a lot of Wall Street money. Uh, it's changing relationships between broker and an agent. It's changing relationship between all of us and the client. And I, I think sometimes it's changing so fast that we're not defining those well. And uh, there are dangers in that. Uh, I don't mind innovation. I don't mind dif different ways of doing things, but uh, we have to be careful that we we 
do it properly. And we, we maintain the trust and the relationships. If we, if we take the real estate industry and just put it out online and we become a commodity, much like buying tires or getting a title policy, uh, we will damage this industry. Bob, tell me what you love about Exit Realty. Exit Realty is, is very unique in that it, it is still privately held. And we're kind of hell bent on that. Uh, we do not have to worry about Wall Street stock prices. We run our real estate company like people. Uh, and we have a plan to grow it. Every, every number for Exit Realty is increasing. Not as fast as we want it to. But I can tell you this, Exit Realty is unique in the sense that uh, we we are trying to build a company based on human potential, a very personal company. Everybody that joins this brand, we're going to touch their life. We're going to touch their life. Uh, you know, we most companies are focused on numbers. Uh, we're kind of focused on individuals. We, we believe at Exit Realty that if we touch enough lives and help people grow, then we will grow organically. And so we have all the tools, you know, the, the training and the technology and the branding tools. And, and the, the unique part of our model is after that, we can help people. If they want to help bring people into the company, there's a 10% residual bonus for them. But uh, the, at the core of what we do here, it is we invest in people at every level. They're important to us. Bob, I'm a, I'm a brand new agent. What's the first book you think I should read? The first book as an agent to read. Well, I would tell you, let's go to Ogmandino's greatest salesman in the world. Let's start with that one. I would say go get, uh, and it's a very small read. Ogmandino, that was his first and massively successful book, The Greatest Salesman in the World. It tells, you know, a parable story of a young kid wanting to grow and his mentor teaching him and the 10 scrolls. I would say that if a young real estate agent gets the 10, reads the 10 scrolls, prints them out, thinks about them every single day, they will do well. But uh, that would be, and quite frankly, every real estate agent has to read Ogmandino's greatest salesman in the world. Bob, that, I, I let you, I've got to be honest, I've never read that book. So I'll be picking it up online as soon as we're done to, today. So I will do that. Thank you. Um, let's, let's, let's go ahead and, and wrap this up. Uh, you know, I always ask the same question of every guest and, and, um, and, and, you know, sometimes throughout the episode, you can kind of, I can kind of piece together kind of what the answer will be, but many times I'm surprised. So let's see what happens here. And that's what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business? Increase your circle every day. Every day, let someone new know you're in real estate. If you start off and 100 people know you're in real estate, you'll do about three deals a year. 200 people know you're in real estate, you'll do about 12. Dave Crumby says in his book, Real, 
1,000 names in your database properly managed should be 60 transactions a year. Mm -hmm. So, young agent, put new names in your database every single day. Increase that circle. Bob, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, there are several ways. They could uh, text leadership to 85377 and they'll find me immediately or um, McKinnon at exitrealty.com. My deep channel is real estate with a minor in leadership. I don't care what flag you have up your pole as far as brand. Uh, I love real estate. I love realtors. And if there's young agents out there listening to this or there's somebody starting a new franchise, say, I, want, I need to know some of the basics. Call me. Be happy to be happy to help. Bob, this was wonderful. I, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. Um, I, I think there might be some things here that some people that know you don't know, maybe, when they listen to the episode, <laughs> right? I don't tell them I'm from Muleshoe. That's for them. <laughs> well, now, yeah. So uh, if you're listening to the show, make sure you look up Muleshoe. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe, maybe there's a high school there I can get some uh, Muleshoe gear from. Is that possible? <laughs> you know, absolutely. All right. Yeah, they're very proud of that. Thanks so much, Bob. You're welcome, Bill. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to The Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. (laughs) 